listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hopson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 93 of Sticks in the Six. That's Dougie Gilmore for all those uh, listening. 93, uh, boys, a big episode as we approach preseason hockey here this month in September. We're less than a month away from puck drop on the regular season. A lot going on, uh, including the Traverse City um, tournament that the Leafs are involved in. Uh, But before we get to any hockey news, let's hear how you guys are doing this week. Alex, how are you doing? Boys, it's a it's a return of a very important staple of discussions here on Sticks in the Six as my uh, men's ball hockey league has made a return. Beautiful. We we, and and the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I was fully expecting to be back in the lowest division this year, but I guess we got promoted one division, so we're we're in the second lowest. We're in the second lowest this year, and we didn't even win a championship. We 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 were the silver medalist both times. So. It's uh yeah um so that came back on Tuesday. Uh, you guys got the passion. Yeah, we got the passion. I was I was fired up to be back, but fuck me, did my body ever not survive <laughs> through it? I wanted to go to the I wanted to go to the gym yesterday, and I actually thought that it was going to start next week, and I thought that I was going to have a full week to get back at back at the gym and you know kind of get back into shape a little bit before taking the taking the court again and. Uh, yeah so the schedule kind of came out of nowhere i wasn't ready i don't think anybody on our team was really on our on their game and fuck i'm still feeling it today guys i'm i'm 22 years old i shouldn't be this sore after running around for 30 minutes it only so, gets better alex it only oh, gets better dude, oh, yeah. i'm not i'm not looking forward to it but uh anyways yeah we unfortunately um took the loss in our first game because it was our first the team that we played to be fair had been playing all summer and we was first time playing since like early June for us. So um, I'm confident that we're going to, uh, I'll have more wins to talk about as we uh, move through these next couple of months here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter, what's going on, buddy? Kind of a slow week for me or, you know, I obviously, you know, towards the end of August, I mean, my big one was like last week with fan expo. So that, that was it. Now it's just like more relaxing, getting into the hockey time, hockey season kind of thing. Um, doing a lot of the writing, also keeping an early view on the 2023 draft because, hey, why not? Why not talk about that right now? Um, again, you, you you guys know my musical tastes, right? I'm always under like the heavier side of things. And there's a band called Parkway Drive and they've dropped it or they dropped a new single. I didn't even realize that. But man, I am getting like... No, okay, I'm not calling it Stairway to Heaven, but at the very beginning, I got Stairway to Heaven slash Nothing Else Matters vibes from Metallica, and that song has literally been on repeat for the last week and a half. So I'm I like you know me. Whenever I hear a song, I play it until I get sick of it, and I haven't gotten sick of this song yet. So (laughs) there, there, there's my musical recommendation for you metalheads, rock enthusiasts out there running a week strong and you're still not sick of it that's impressive no nah, never and that's coming that's coming from our uh in-house guitarist that down there at the uh at the bottom from alex there so <laughs> uh, um boys uh before we get into hockey talk obviously i you know we try to keep things a little bit lighter on this podcast um obviously today we're recording uh what is it thursday um this morning we we touch on pop culture a little bit this morning 
uh, news came out that uh, the queen uh, did pass away. Uh, we won't, we don't want to linger on it too much as we are a hockey podcast, but I uh, figured it was worth mentioning as we, um, as we uh, kind of head in here. Um, but, so our condolences obviously go out to the Royal family. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, as you two know, um, my beautiful daughter was born this week. Um, way premature, uh, only at 31 weeks, but she's, uh, she's in the NICU with a fantastic NICU team. Uh, the nurses have been fantastic giving us constant updates on, on how she's doing. She's, she's excelling. She's, she's a fighter. She's, uh, she'll be 32 weeks technically tomorrow. Um, and, uh, a week old, uh, tomorrow. So, um, her name, Harlow, Harlow Rose. So I uh, hope she doesn't marry Jack Harlow someday. Could you imagine? Oh. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be something wild. <laughs> oh, that'd be like Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. That, like the, that'll middle, be... the, the middle name Harlow too. Yeah. Yeah. Harlow. Oh, Harlow. Man. But yeah, so uh, we are, we are very excited, very happy in the, in the Forbes household, but uh, long road ahead of us, long road ahead yeah. of us. So um, that said, boys, uh, we're here to talk hockey and, as I said, September brings preseason hockey, brings prospect hockey. Um, obviously, Peter, you've been back into the prospect talk big time. Um, I know Alex is in, in, included in that as well. Um, so we do have the Traverse City tournament coming up. The Leafs seem to be the one team that don't want to release their uh, their rosters just yet. And as I mentioned to Peter, it's probably because yeah. Kyle Dubas is worried uh, Davidson from uh, Chicago Blackhawks is going to have something to say about it and release some kind of secret to the media as he has a couple of times in the past here. Um, I was going to say, I think Kyle Dubas is just sort of like, he's just sort of looking down on us from his, from his chamber up there and being like, all right, how can I screw at the six and the stick sticks and the six boys this time yeah, around? Yeah. Well, oh, what it, it's again. they're recording the podcast today. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and be the only guy not to release the the rosters. I'll release it right after they're done the episode. Yeah, no, that's probably (laughs) going to happen because even if they did release it during our our recording right now, we would have had something to talk about. But it's like, man, they're holding on to that so bad. Like all the other teams, Detroit, I I don't even know Detroit, but um, Dallas, St. Louis, um, Columbus, they already have theirs out. Toronto still has is still remaining for that Traverse City one, so it's like top secret news. Top, top secret, secret news. It's confidential. That's right. That's right. Um, one thing I did want to mention as well, we didn't get into it last week, um, but uh, EA Sports named Sarah Nurse as one of the co uh, cover athletes for NHL uh, twenty three this year. So, uh, congratulations to Sarah Nurse. That's yes. big. That's huge. Not only do we touch on women's hockey, but, uh, you know, the fact that she's BIPOC as well, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's big news coming out of EA sports. And, and obviously Trevor Zegers is the, the other half of that co, uh, cover athlete. Um, so congratulations to the, both of them, uh, on top of that, before we get into leaf hockey, Let's talk about the Canadian women because once again they're on top of the world. They had the hat trick for uh, gold medals this uh, this time around, uh, world championship. They're just hitting on all cylinders. Um, and this this time around, it wasn't um, MPP that got it done. So mm-hmm. let's let's throw it over to you, Peter, first uh, on your thoughts on the Canadian um, the Canadian win once again. Ah. Uh. This is what this is why like this group of women is absolutely phenomenal. Like they even like the fact that they had that two nothing lead against the US in that uh exit or um round robin game, they lost five two. They didn't take that to heart. 
or they probably took that to heart, but they didn't let that get the best of them. They, they knew what they wanted to do. They knew what was on the line and they powered through and, you know, absolutely phenomenal for them to win three straight gold medals. That that's just really tough to do. And we saw how dominant they've been in the past. I think this is the beginning of like the next wave of women's hockey, just not just for Canada, but for us, we saw how great Czechia was. Um, Surprisingly, Finland didn't medal. I thought that they would have been a medal hopeful, but again, the tournament itself as a whole was great. And the women dominated. And as you talked about uh, previously before with uh, the women's hockey at the Olympics, Sarah Fillier, my God, she's going to be the next GOAT, the next MPP, the next Haley Wickenheiser. I mean, I, you probably don't want to draw that comparison, but she just looked absolutely phenomenal. Very skilled out there with the puck. Um, obviously named one of the top players of the tournament on that. I think it was the media all-star team. And yeah, yeah, I'm just absolutely thrilled for her, thrilled for the women for winning gold again. And yeah, three straight, two worlds, one Olympic. Let's keep this ball rolling. Alex, I know we're talking, uh, we're talking some, some pretty big names when it comes to women's hockey in Canada, obviously Cassie Campbell, Pascal, Haley Wickenheiser, Angela James, among, among many Mm -hmm. others. But where where would you rank MPP when it comes to Canadian women's hockey? That's a tough one. That's a tough one because Haley Wickenheiser's got a pretty like, she's got a pretty like solid title on lockdown for her for her, and I, I think it's kind of hard to uh, argue people being in the same echelon as her. I would definitely put MPP top. I definitely put her top five. Um, I think without a doubt this year, she's risen up the ranks. She was incredible this year at the, at the, at the women's worlds. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it was just an amazing, amazing week for Sarah nurse as well. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. well, not an amazing week, I guess it was, it's been a couple of weeks since she was named the cover athlete, but, uh, Sarah nurse, I mean, one week, one week, she's named the cover athlete of NHL 23 and the next week she's winning a gold medal with, uh, for her country at the women's world. So, uh, uh, Amazing, amazing week for her. And also, like you said, Peter, shout out to uh, Czechia for meddling for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I honestly got a little more excited for them over that than I did over Canada winning gold. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's and you know what? It's it's not it has nothing to do with not being patriotic. Obviously, I'm stoked Canada won gold, but um, Czechia, you know, that's got to be a special moment for them having never hit the medal stage before. And I mean, you saw the dances that they were doing and the reaction on the bench. It was just amazing to see. So uh, congrats to them. And uh, also to the uh, our Canadian women in Denmark. Yeah, I, the the crazy thing about the Czechia, um, you know, meddling is, is it shows the the growth of the game. And we we saw in the Olympics there was articles about how you know women's hockey shouldn't be in the Olympics because it's always Canada U.S. But to me, this was this was a a, a display of commitment to the women's game and saying that you know uh, these these countries are going to catch up. And it's the same in the men's side, like. How many years did we see Canada, U.S.? Canada, U.S., obviously Russia was right there as well. But now you have teams like the Swiss, teams like Denmark, Germany that have players like, you know, you're, you're seeing guys like, you know, Lucas Reichel come from, from Germany. You're seeing, you know, Leon Dreisaitl mm-hmm. come from Germany. There, there's more growth in the men's side. And with with women's side, we're starting to see that more and more. And I think that's, that's what you have to take away with this Czechia meddling as well, is that, you know, maybe for years they were relevant at, at, to some extent, but now it's, you know, they can, they can put up a fight, a small fight and try and get things done and, and, and get to a point where they're, you know, they're celebrating a win rather than, you know, being 
either relegated or what have you. So um, I, that, that was one thing for me. Uh, I don't know if you guys, either of you want to check on or, or, or chat a little bit about, you know, those who were handing out the medals to team Canada at the end of the tournament. I, I don't know. I don't really have much to say on it, to be honest. I think I, I made myself pretty clear on, on Twitter, but um, did either of you want to really touch on that? I was just going to say, read the room. Like that's all I could say, but I want to jump from that and just congratulate Carla McLeod. I mean, Canadian grade going behind the Czechia bench to lead them to that medal. I want to, you know, recognize her more so than the people giving out the medals because she deserves it. After all the years Mm -hmm. that she spent with Canada, she, she put Czechia on the podium and to do that, to help lead that team and guide them. Big shout out to her. Huge congrats. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, with that guys, let's jump over to, uh, some, some leaf talk here. A lot of, a lot of, um, we're just going to kind of play around with, with what we know going into the season and, and talk about line projections and, and a little who are what breakout players. Yeah. A lot, lot of what ifs this, uh, this time around, but, um, let's kick it off with top names for repeat, uh, performances. And I'll kick it off with Michael Bunting. Um, I did, I did release an article on, on the fact that I think he's going to repeat, if not, uh, better his numbers from last season. Um, if you look at his overall numbers over his career, this guy's point per game um, average is actually quite impressive. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the argument can be made that he's playing with Mitch Marder and Austin Matthews. And, you know, you're going to hear, you're going to hear that, that, you know, that argument endlessly, but at the same time, I mean, this guy is, this guy's the Brad Marshawn that the Leafs have been missing. Uh, it's Leo Komarov, but with like a little bit of extra uh, offensive uh, prowess, right? He's he's willing to go in the corners. Yeah, he's small. He's going to take all all the all the pushing and shoving and all the shit that he can take along the boards, but he gets the job done and he finds the pucks and he gets the pucks to those guys that are going to make the plays. And he might be that guy in front of the net, but he's going to get those garbage goals as well. And I mean, I think I think his numbers are going to are going to justify that this season. You're going to see him get a, a massive pay raise at the end of this year, but. Um, for me, Michael Bunting's the repeat guy. I think he's gonna have he's gonna have a big year, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do on that top line, assuming everybody stays healthy. So, um, Alex, who do you have as as a guy who can look to repeat off of last season? Um, I mean, you know what? I think you could go for a number of guys that the Leafs have, especially their top guys, and say that any of them are gonna repeat. But uh, if I could say anybody, I'm going to say John Tavares because, you know, we've talked about Tavares a million times on this show, especially recently, and just about how, you know, people are acting like he had a big down year when he had 60 or 76 points. Quote unquote down year. Yeah, quote unquote (laughs) down year. And we're talking about, you know, how even last year he was, he he suffered that horrible injury at the end of the, um, at the end of the, or sorry, at the beginning of the playoffs, or rather at the end of the season. And it kind of screwed with his off-season training. He didn't really, you know, he was focused more on recovery than he was on actually training and get, getting ready for the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that with an entire summer to train properly and um, an entire summer to, you know, make sure that he he hits the ground running when the season starts and actually be in proper game shape by then, I think he's going to have another great season. Um, and you know what? We talk about, the fact that he's on the wrong side of 30 now. And I'd like to remind the people who say that, that Steven Stamkos just for the first time hit hundred points in his career. And I'm not saying that John Tavares is going to hit hundred points because he's never really indicated that he was a hundred point player. However, I do think that 
an 80 to 90 point season for Tavares is definitely not over the question. So um, yeah, I think uh, if I had to pick any of the guys, I think Tavares is going to repeat this year. And I think he might do a little bit better than what he did last year. Peter, what are your thoughts on uh, repeat performances? I think, uh, okay. So I got two. I think the easy answer for me is going to be Mitch Marner. Um, mainly because of the fact that despite the slow start, this is a player that dominated the second half and was closing in on a hundred points, three shy of that. Last time he hit 90 points, was back in 2018, 19 could have hit that mark. Then definitely could have hit the mark right now. But I think if he didn't have that much of a slow start and he had like an extra four or five points at the beginning of the season, and maybe he was arrested down the stretch. I think he would have made it. And the fact that everyone is still calling Mitch Marner a playoff no-show. Well, guess what? He had his second most point totals in the playoffs since 2017-18, where he scored nine. So the fact that he had eight and he didn't, and that's the first time that he's registered more than five points in the playoffs since that time. So I'm banking on a hundred point season for Mitch. And if the Maple Leafs get to the playoffs, I'm banking on him to having another repeat performance because he seemed to be on another gear at the end of that season carried into the playoffs. I'm hoping it carries over into next season as well. And the other one is going to be Timothy Lilligren. I'm going to come out and say that I'm, I've been a firm believer. I, everyone was starting to give up on Timothy Lilligren because he was 21 years old, fourth year in the AHL, not much development. Yeah, well, guess what? He was exactly that, 21 years old, still developing. In, got a little bit more comfortable as the season progressed, looked comfortable on the right side, got chances in the top four, looked really comfortable, looked even better with Mark Giordano. I think he's going to have a big repeat performance this season. And not just like having that, you know, 20 23 30 point season i think maybe he can probably get a little bit north of that maybe 35 if he has that mindset if he plays with that conviction he plays with that mentality just like march Giordano. if that's going to be his pairing because they were very great down the stretch he's got a great mentor beside him he's got momentum on his side he's got a decent contract to try and you know um, on that prove me deal now in over the next two seasons, because when 24, 25 hits, he's probably going to ask for a little bit more. And if he continues to progress and if he has another repeat performance, like he did, especially in that second half last season, I think he's going to do very well this year. Beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I think he's, he's due for a big year. And especially if, you know, we, we talked last week about the Sandine situation and if Lilligren is there and he's signed to a contract, I mean, he's going to get a great opportunity. And I think this is, this might be his breakout year. And with that, uh, let's talk a little bit about the underrated player going into the year. Uh, Peter, I'll throw right back to you with your underrated player of the year. Um, stop me if you heard this name before, Kelly Yarncroke. <laughs> um, I, I, again, I, what was that? I just said your boy. <laughs> it's my boy. It's my boy. And I'm not going to stop talking about my boy until people get on the Kelly Yarncroke train. I have been, again, I've been a big fan of his ever since his time with the Natural Predators. He's always been a steady 30, 30, 35 point type player. Plays all kind of plays every single position can get in on the forecheck and the Maple Leafs need that mix of speed and tenacity because you lost that with Ilya Mikheyev. Um, you needed to match that and they got a better contract with over the next four years and a player that can still provide some decent secondary scoring 
and have that speed and uh, attacking mindset. Um, obviously, maybe not kind of like in the mold of Michael Bunting, but obviously Michael Bunting has got a little bit more upside in that. Yarn Kroc is knowing his role. He's going to lead, be a leading factor in that bottom six. Um, you know, he looked great with Seattle, 26 points in 49 games. Again, four with Calgary, but he was seemed to be more in a sheltered role because of how deep they were compared to the Kraken. But I'm still high on him. I, I, I think he's going to do a great job, and I think he's going to be very undervalued, and he's going to be very underrated for the Maple Leafs this season. Alex, who do you got as your underrated player going into 2022-23? Um, my underrated player going into the year 2022-2023 would have to be none other than the six foot five muscular giraffe Chad named Pierre Engvall. <laughs> I just, you know what? I I I I heard his uh <clears throat> after he signed his extension, I heard his quotes talking to the press about how he thinks he can score 20 goals. And I will say that there were a couple of times last season when Pierre Engvall scored a goal from the high slot. And I was like, holy shit, where did this shot come from? Was that like, the Vasilevsky goal? Yeah, the Vasilevsky yeah. goal. Yeah, yeah. Except that one, right. Um, so Pierre Engvall, I think he's got one of the most underrated shots on the team. And I think that he's sort of in another position where he's, I, th- I believe he re-signed for one year. So once again, that's a contract year for Engvall. And as we've seen before, guys love to step it up in their contract years. Um, combo that with the fact that there really isn't a designated left winger for John Tavares and William Nylander. I mean, you could put Alex Kerfoot there, but as far as I'm concerned, I think there's an opportunity there for anybody on the team to seize. I don't think Kerfoot's role there is locked. And if Pierre Engvall has a strong, strong training camp, I have no doubt that this guy could come out, slide into that second line, play alongside those two guys and, and score some goals. And, um, you know, whether, whether or not that's something that comes to fruition this year and ends up in, he ends up being the topic and the talking point for next summer's fucking new cycle of negotiations. Um, we'll see, but I think that Engvall is a, uh, I think that Engvall's got a good chance to be that underrated guy next year. I think he's, you know, for a guy that's been in the bottom six for most of his career and a guy that's, you know, typically been looked at as a defensive first player. um, I think there's going to be an opportunity for him this year and I think he can take it. Yeah. I'm going to go the goalie route. Um, You know, and I know you guys are all going to think I'm going to toot Murray's horn again here on the, uh, the Murray train, but I'm going to go Ilya Samsonov. Um, I think this this could be one of the best offseason moves by Kyle Dubas uh, in the sense that when have one of the Leafs had a legitimate backup in in recent memory and and I'm saying to start the year this this Jack, is the guy Jack sorry? Campbell <laughs> I mean at at the time though as a backup like he really wasn't excelling to the to, to the level that he did once he took mm-hmm. over that that starting role right mm-hmm. yeah. his numbers weren't incredible and then he he suddenly stepped into that starting role freddie was out and boom he took off and i think that's what we're going to see here a little bit with samsonov except that he his numbers are going to drive him to take on that starting role if something does happen to murray down the stretch and again murray there's a lot of question marks we don't know where his head's at uh, quite literally, we don't know where his head's at uh, injury-wise. Um, he uh, He's coming into camp. He's confident in himself, and that's what you want to see. But at the same time, injuries have been a problem for Matt Murray over his career. Uh, even in his Pittsburgh days, we've seen uh, uh, you know a ton of injuries for him. 
his play has has suffered a little bit over the last couple of years because of that. And uh, I mean, you got a young young guy that's got a lot of drive um, that that's sitting right behind him, ready to take on that starting role. And that could be the game changer for these Leafs. That could be what gets them past the first round if that if if he's the one that steps in and, and really you know takes that prove it deal and makes it uh, makes it well worth his money. So um, I'm looking for Elias Samsonov to have a big year. I think I think people people are all talking about Murray right now, and and there's not enough focus on what they have as that secondary goaltending option. So um, yeah, I I'd like to just sorry, go to, ahead. I, I was just going to say I think to allude to what you were saying there, I think that. Um, the one thing that Samsonov has going for him is the fact that he's only signed for one year. Whereas Matt Murray, if he has, a, if he doesn't have a great season, at least he's sort of got the security of knowing that he's under mm-hmm. contract for another mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Forbes, you've talked about it a million times, the increased competition, the internal competition and how it could benefit. I'm sure you read through lots of great comments on your uh, Atlantic division goalie rankings piece. Um, and uh you know, I think Samsonov more than Murray is the ideal example of that because he's only signed for one year. And so he's really banking on himself to have a good season so that he can, he can have some legitimate leverage next time around in the contract negotiations in terms of how much he asks for. And, um, you know, if, if, if he doesn't have a good season, then the Leafs can just easily release him. And at that point, you know, you got to rely on another team to take a chance on you. And if they do take a chance on you, it's not going to be for a lot of money. It's going to be for something around the ballpark, probably less than what he made this year. And it's not going to be in a starting role, which yeah, your opportunities might be limited based on what team takes a chance. Right. And this, this whole situation with Samsonov really reminds me of Ville Huso Huso this year. Right. Yeah. He had to prove himself to get that deal. And at the end of the day, I mean, he got the deal that he wanted. He got, what five plus, right? Yeah. Uh, I think, four, it, was I think it was around 4.5. Was it 4.5? Yeah, I would regardless, like way more than what St. Louis could afford to give him. And, uh, you know, and I think he's got like what 57 games of NHL experience to his name. He actually, Husso's only making, I think, three million 4.75. 4.75 over oh, three years. Four, yeah. Oh, over yeah. Three, okay. So I, I knew I it was close to the five million mark. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's a there's a great example of a guy who who went out there on a contract year and just got it done, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a Stanley Cup winning team in front of him, but um, you know, there's there's potential in the lease, right? And and that's mm-hmm. that's what he, that's what they're banking on. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do this year behind uh, Murray or uh, if he takes over for Murray. Um, you touched on this a little bit, Alex. The the line projections. For, for this coming year and and that second line winger uh with Nylander and Tavares you said there's potential for Engvall to be there so I'm going to throw it right back at you and kind of see where you've got people lining up throughout the uh throughout the lineup for the Leafs this year huh so if we do a full lineup projection um I'm going to need about 45 minutes to figure out what my first line is so I'm just you guys can sit there in silence and speculate on what I'm going to say 45 minutes, I'll come back. No, it's going to be Bunting Matthews Marner. That's the first line. Um, I'm going to stick to my guns from my my uh, underrated uh, my underrated player pick and say that I think Engvall is going to start the season on that second line with uh, with Tavares and Nylander. I think he's a guy that, you know, he, he did great on the third line last year. Don't get me wrong. But again, this guy's got his sights set on scoring 20 goals this year. Mm-hmm. 
got a better chance to do that on the second line. So I'll have Nylander uh, Engel starting on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. Third line, I guess it only makes sense to uh, slide Kerfoot into that third line left wing role. Um, then you got David Camp up the middle. And then on the right side, I think there's nobody else you could put, but Kelly Yarncroke, Peter's boy. Um, that's going to be one of the better defensive lines in the league. I Shut think. Downs. Yeah. And then the fourth line, the ever so curious fourth line. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to make my, my fourth line pick based on no Marley's making the, make it a lineup. I don't think that, sorry, I'm I'm not going to say, I don't think any Marley's will, but for the purpose of the lineup prediction, yes, I'll say that I'll say that no Marley's made the lineup because on one hand, you got guys like Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford. And, you know, everybody kind of seemed to have forgot about more so Simmons, I think, than Clifford, because Clifford, I think you can expect he'll be a guy that's juggled up and down. But Wayne Simmons, I mean, you guys got one year left and who knows if he's going to keep playing after this year. It's it's a it's a question of whether or not he's going to have the speed to keep up this year. And I think we're going to find that out in training camp. And if his speed is still if, if he can still slide in on that fourth line and look look competitive, I think you can put him there. Um, and then I think the other two spots are rounded out by Adam Gaudet and Nicholas Albe Kubel. I think those two guys are the last, because I think the Leafs would want to have a little bit of a, of an offensive threat on that fourth line. And Gaudet's a guy who, if he gets hot, you know, you could, you could argue second line, um, or sorry, second unit power play time for him. He's a guy that, you know, he's got enough offensive IQ that you can get away with uh, deploying him in offensive situations, but who knows if that spot's going to be available for him in the actual lineup this year. So I think if nothing else, maybe fourth line, possibly some power play minutes, but uh, that is that that's in the end, what I would say, I think for, for my forward lines anyways. So you, you throw out the forward lines and I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say quickly, I pretty much have the same thing aside. I had Kerfoot on the second line, but I can, I can really get behind your idea of having Engvall in that second line. I think, you know, speed wise, it's it's kind of a trade off. I think Engvall's got you know super underrated speed, um, and yeah, he's definitely a guy that I think. Again, you talk about betting on yourself. I, I mean, he's a guy that wants to wants to get cash in, right? And he he's got the potential to do it. So, and he's got a little bit of a bite to him. I, that, that's what I like about him too. He's got a little bit of a bite to yeah. him. He doesn't mind going into the corners and getting people's faces. So that's a that's a solid uh, solid lineup there. Uh, Alex, um, Peter, I'm going to throw it over to you for the the back end here. I wouldn't mind uh, seeing what you got set up for our our top six defensemen. Yeah, um, I, quick point. I, I do think Engvall does have. He's using his his size more to his advantage, which will make him a very impactful top six player. Um, I'd also look out for Nick Robertson uh, to try and push for that top six role because if there's any time for a player to try and take that next step, it's definitely going to be him because not to say time is running out, but he's got to take that. Time's next running step. out. Time's running out. Yeah. Yeah. So heading over to defense um, and this is still, and kind of like Alex basing it off no Marley's, this is going to be based on the fact that Rasmus Sandin still has no contract. So to me, he's not on the roster. He's still waiting in the wings for that deal. Um, uh, obviously, your top line, your top pairing is going to be Riley Brody. I mean, it, you can't mix that up. You you can, but at the same time, you're just asking for, you know, 
not inexperienced, but you have that familiarity with Riley and Brody. You have the offense, you have the defense from Brody who could just get into the lane on two on ones and just block every single play when he can. So that's going to be my top pairing to start. In an ideal world, my second pairing, it would be Jake Muzzin and Timothy Lilligren, but Justin Hall is still on the team. And barring any trade right now, um, unless you get another top four right-handed defenseman that can play a very similar complementary role to Jake Muzzin, where you can still have that two-way ability, Hall's still going to be the guy, and he's still on the team. But I think that, you know, I would try and move him either for more help on that right side or to extend Rasmus Sandin so you can bump up um, Timothy Lilligren to that spot. And third pairing, um, obviously, it's going to be Jordana Lilligren, barring what happens with Justin Hall. Um, based on what I talked about before when I said Lilligren is going to be a very or have a repeat performance because... You know, he, he he seemed to have gotten stronger. He seemed to have gotten a little bit more uh, muscle to him. And I think that was the biggest thing. He got beaten a lot quite a bit or shoved off the puck quite a bit. I think with that added strength, the physicality that he had with Giordano, I think it's going to go well for that third pairing, uh, third pairing because of the fact that he can generate some offense. Even Giordano, they both had great chemistry. Um Again, the veteran presence of Giordano, I think, really helped, motivated, and boosted Lilligren's confidence there. Um, that is to say, also, don't count out um, Jordy Ben and Victor Mete. Both players can play left and right side, so I think they got that going for them. If they need a seventh or eighth player to come in, if there's an injury, you have that depth. Um, everyone's going to talk about, oh, Victor Mete, he's only, you know, 5'9", 175. Feisty, he can though. still hold his own. Like, yeah, he's feisty. He, he can still. He can hold his own. And I even like even watching the world juniors when I saw Mete or even his time with the London Knights, Mete can hold his own no matter what situation he's in, even against older competition, bigger guys. He doesn't get faced by that. And obviously, Jordy Ben, if you need someone to, you know, drop the mitts and be a little bit more physical, he's your guy. So those are going to be like, obviously, the seventh, eighth guys. But obviously, it all depends on what happens with Justin Hall, because we all know we are as much as we want him to succeed, he just hasn't cut it out on the top four. He just hasn't had that consistency. If he's able to find that this season, so be it. But I don't think that's going to be possible. I think we're going to see another up and down season where he's good for a stretch of two, three games. And then he gets back to the mindset of like poor turnovers, poor defensive play positioning and all that. Um, Again, that, that that's going to be my projection for the Maple Leafs defense. Yeah. I mean, if right, it were up to Forbes. Forbes, now you predict our goaltending. Yeah. Uh, Ilya Samsonov and then uh, Matthew, <laughs> Matt Murray. Um, no, but I was going to say, if it were up to Steve Simmons, uh, I, Justin Hall wouldn't be in the lineup whatsoever. He's the worst defenseman. Um, but uh, no, I, I I do agree. I The one question I have, and I mean, I love Lilligren with, with Giordano because I really think that it rounded out his game to, to close yeah. out the year. But at the same time, do you see, could you see Lilligren taking a big enough step to maybe jump into that top four? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he played his way onto the team th- this past season. Um, he showed that he can't play in a top four role when Justin Hall wasn't playing great. Timothy Lilligren stepped up. Um, even when Travis Dermott was on the team and they were still fluctuating up and down between the roster. No matter what role he's in, no matter what pairing he's on, I thought Timothy Lilligren looked fantastic. And 
again, he's he's a player that the Maple Leafs need because they lack right-handed defensemen. Obviously, Topi Niemela is, you know, signed to an ELC, but he's still, you know, at least maybe two, two three years away from making any significant impact with the team. Uh, still playing over in Finland. Um, they come over this past this season when his season's over, but you know, to have that kind of two-way ability, this is a this is a player that's supposed to be a top two, top three pick in 2017. But because of Mono, because of his inconsistency after coming back from that, teams to teams didn't want him. They dropped down, Maple Leafs picked him up, and I thought this was a fantastic pick because he was something that he he had that they needed. Puck moving ability. He's rounded out his defensive game. And you saw that progression every single year with the Marlies. So the fact that we saw progression in his rookie season last year, if he had an opportunity to run away and steal the top four spot away from Justin Hall, I can see that happening because he has that mindset. And like you said, uh, being paired up with Giordano, how it, it probably did wonders for him. And I think he's going to be aiming high and not just focus on being on that third pairing. I think he's going to battle hard and give Justin Hall a run for his money. To your point there, Peter, I think at the same time, when we talk about, you know, Lilligren being able to elevate his game and get into that top four, you could also make an argument that depending on how the season starts or how it goes, um, you might have Mark Giordano playing in that top four over Jake Muzzin too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's something that you were about be, to say, Forbes, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, were, we even talked about last season. Should you give Muzzin and Hall <laughs> less ice time and give more ice time to the third pairing? And now that you have a capable third pairing, why not give Giordano and Lilligren that extra ice time and try and balance that out with Muzzin and Hall, considering you know what they were able to do last season? I think yeah. so long as I think so long as Justin or sorry, Jake Muzzin or. No, neither of those two players. I think, <laughs> I think so long as Mark Giordano comes back this year and it's and it's not blatantly obvious that he's lost a step and his ice time needs to be managed. If he looks relatively the same as he did last year, mm-hmm. I think the Leafs can absolutely get away with playing him on that on that second pairing because yeah. the way that he's been over the past five ten years, he's been like a fine wine. He's gotten better with age. Norris yeah. Trophy. What is he? <laughs> three or four four seasons removed from his Norris yeah, he Trophy. Won, won the Norris in twenty seventeen, yeah. I think it was. Seven- uh, 18, 19, 19. Oh, yeah. 74 points. He was just under a point per game. I, I, I truly, and like what he does on the penalty kill as well. Like, I mean, can you talk about any other defenseman who's, who's had as many shorthanded goals as he's had over his career? Like he had two in one game last season when he was with Seattle and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I will stand by Jordan. I've, I love Giordano as a player. I think, what he what he's capable of doing. Um, this is a guy who was undrafted, went over and played overseas, came back, got got signed to a contract, and and hasn't hasn't really lost a step since he since he signed his first NHL deal. And um, as you said, Alex, unless he's showing that he's taking a legitimate step back, this is a guy that I think should still be. I mean, if if he was in Calgary, if he never left Calgary, do not believe that he would somehow still be in that top four, like. He was their go-to for how many years, mm-hmm. and he still got it. Like, look at what he did for Lilligren's game last season. He knows what to do. He knows how to get done. If you can move that pairing to your second pairing, um, you're talking about, you know, potentially like a game-breaking pairing on that second line. And I I don't know. I, I've, i you know, call me biased because I, like, Giordano, in, in my keeper league, I had him for like six years because this guy <laughs> was just like, 
he was your go-to. He got he all was, the points. He was the Aegis, goat on the back end. Aegis Wonder. Right? Yeah, Aegis Wonder. That's right. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea of having him moved up and having Lilligren moved up and maybe maybe bumping Muzzin back. I mean, Muzzin's lost a step. And mm-hmm. the, the head injuries last season, it's scary. It's frightening. You want to get, you you know, get him as healthy as you can and, and give him opportunity to play. But at the same time, you know, you have to consider moving him into a, in a, into a depth role rather than being that, yeah. you know, second go-to guy. Um, but that also begs the question, are you going to pay 5.6 million for a third pairing defenseman? And if Muzzin, if we get the Jake Muzzin down the stretch and in the playoffs, that's the Jake Muzzin we need. If Absolutely. anything else, anything less than that, then yeah, it is a bit of a cause for concern. Yeah, but I think I think you can reevaluate at that time as well. Like if you if you yeah. see that he's you know all of a sudden you know playing maybe ten minutes a game rather than you know eighteen, and and you mm-hmm. know he's starting to starting to come around. I think at that point you can reevaluate it. But um, absolutely, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting interesting point, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the last, last thing we'll get to here with Leaf specific, I guess, uh, in terms of talking points before we get to a couple of things here at the end of the, uh, the end of the episode is off season grade. And I know, I know, you know, over at the hockey writers, we had kind of like a little mini questionnaire, uh, for their, their morning skate, um, segment. And, uh, you know, the question was asked, what would you grade the least in the off season? A lot of people said C plus, and I was kind of, I, I was on the same boat, but I want to get your takes on on what you would grade their offseason. Peter, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, th- I think C plus is fair. I think maybe if I were to not necessarily like maybe try and move, bump it up to a B minus, given the fact that you brought in two capable goaltenders in Murray and Samsonov. Again, they come with risks. Samsonov, bad numbers, but good record. Murray, we know his injury pass. And the fact that this is a big gamble from from Dubas to make, because if this fails, chances are he's going to be his job is on the line, or it already is technically on the line by making this bold move. If it does pan out, then this move is going to be really great. And like you said, Forbes, when was the last time that the Maple Leafs had a capable starter? And that Murray's still a capable starter. It's just he's dealt a very bad hand with injuries and being behind a poor Ottawa Senators team. When was the last time you had a very co- or a complimentary goaltender that's in a backup role to the starter? The last time that happened was with Curtis McElhaney, and he didn't come in until I believe it was midway through 1718, and then he started the season in 1819. If I'm correct, and- I'd, I'd even question that though, because I mean, realistically, like, yeah, his numbers were decent with the Leafs, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who played maybe maybe 15 games maybe. Peter, and it also and Peter, it's also oh i was just gonna say it's also depending on the load are they gonna are chances are they're probably gonna split the starts murray's not gonna be playing 60 plus games so you're gonna give more opportunities for samsona to try and battle yeah if you can go 50 30, 50 32 i mean you're talking about you go. very close and and you get a, a good taste for what you have as well right because mm-hmm. as alex mentioned you want to know what you have in samsona you don't want him to have you know play 10 games, 15 games, and all of a sudden be like, ah, oh, yeah, it wasn't worth it. No, for sure. And and that's why I think that maybe if this move does play out, that that grade could be bumped up to a B minus. Cause you know what? You lost Ilya Mikheyev, but then again, you could find another Ilya Mikheyev. You already found that with Cali Yarncrock at a cheaper price. Dubas playing that money ball tactic um by finding quality 
with quantity, right? So I still think addressing the depth, I thought Adam Gaudet could be, another, again, another name that could be underrated this season based on his performance at the World Hockey Championships. I think Abe Kubel could bring that feisty side to this team that they lack. And who knows? Maybe Matthew Nyes' season ends early in Minnesota. I doubt that. But maybe he comes over early and he signs a contract and you have a possible player that could join your middle six with his mm-hmm. side, his speed and his shot and his physicality. Again, that that's not based on that. But if the moves that Dubas made pan out, I think it's going to be a solid B plus. But for now, I'm giving B, B minus. I'm giving it a C plus for now because there's still that wait and see factor, especially when it comes to the goaltending. But if Murray finds his groove, if Samsonov gets a little bit more poise and isn't as overactive or floppy in the crease, I think it's going to be a great offseason move, both with the signing and the trade. Alex, what do you give the least for the offseason moves? Um, First of all, Peter, I'm just I'm just going to say to correct you, it was midway. It was midway through 2016, 17. And the only reason I remember that is because McElhaney made that wicked save on Crosby to clinch mm-hmm. the Leafs a playoff there spot. you go mm-hmm. so he there started the season in 2017 18 yeah. with them yeah yeah there my mistake go. no no it's all good I just I, I wanted to make a point to remember that that moment because it was a, yeah it was a great moment for a guy that didn't really have too much of a story <laughs> in Toronto um honestly I would probably I'd probably give him a C plus as well and you know what I I honestly don't really know what I can say that Peter didn't already say um I think for the purpose of my argument, I might give them a C just because I really would have liked them to address the top six a little better. And maybe that's just me being a fan mm-hmm. and looking for a big move. But, you know, I, I, I really, and you know, Pierre Engvall could start the season on that second line, like I said, and do really well, but I think it would have been a real vote of confidence to the team had they gone out and, and made a move for a top six forward or somebody to slide in. I mean, Detroit got David Perron for what was it like 4 million a year? or something like that for two years. Like that's a deal. I absolutely would have given peril if I was, if I was do this. So um, in terms of guys, like I, I kind of wish they did go out and get a better top six winger because I think they do need somebody to complete that second line with Tavares and Nylander. And if Engvall goes out and steals that opportunity, that's great. But I think that's something I would have liked to have a little more clarity on headed into the season. But Again, like I, I, I think all these people saying that they got worse. I don't think they got worse at all. I think if anything, they stayed the same. Especially when you look at Tampa Bay and Florida. Like Florida lost five of their core players from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa Bay and a top two D man. Yeah, Tampa Bay's down McDonough and Palat, and I mean, aside from that, that that's you know the Leafs lost what Campbell and McKayev. I don't yeah. really understand how how the Leafs really got astronomically worse, besides the fact that their goaltending situation is a massive risk. But uh, I would give him probably a C. Like I said, it, it, you know, I'm going to take what Peter said and just throw the top six winger on top of that because that's just my personal preference. But uh, again, I think that grade could definitely rise seeing how the goaltenders do this year because really that is the only story to be paying attention to headed into the season. Like you can, you know, you can go down a list of burning questions headed into training camp, or you can go down. Um, you know, you can make a list of storylines to pay attention, headed in, pay attention to headed into training camp. But I think if nothing else, that goaltending situation is the big storyline of the season. And if they both flop, Dubas is likely done with the Leafs. If they, if they both do well, then he's likely got security for another couple of years. And 
if they do well, who knows, this is maybe finally the year the Leafs make it past that first round. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I would give it a C, but definitely potential to improve. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm right there with you guys. I think, I think again, it, it'll change based on how the goaltending does and based on if, you know, uh, Nick Robertson is able to, mm-hmm. to make a push for this lineup. And that's not even an acquisition they made this offseason, but it's an acquisition from within the, the organization. Yeah. And if he can come in and have an influence and be part of that middle six and, and you know, put up even 15 goals, um, you know, you're talking about a, a solid offseason because – you didn't give the money to McKay. If you didn't give the money to Jack Campbell, instead you went out and, and took a few risks and they, they panned out and that's what they did with Michael Bunting and it, and it panned out for him. So um, yeah, I I'd say C plus they didn't really get better. They didn't really get worse. They're kind of, you know, at a standstill, which might actually do them better in the, in the Atlantic division. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely uh, a, a, mediocre off season for, for uh, Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, with that, we will get to a few uh, questions here at the end of the episode, but before we do just a quick shout out to our sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook, a new NFL season is here. Get ready for the NFL action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL bet parlays, spreads, money lines, and more. Plus, do it now right from the palm of your hand. Join the action, download the app, and explore everything DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. To celebrate the most exciting time of year, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a wide variety of betting markets for all their customers. You can also check out DraftKings' impressive features, including same-game parlays. Select a game and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, touchdowns scored, and more for a shot to win big. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to get in on all the NFL action. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, gambling problem call Connects Ontario, 1-866-531-2600. Must be 19 plus to play. Physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions do apply. See sportsbook.draftkings.com for details. Please play responsibly. And as I say that, I should also mention that I did take a futures wager on the Buffalo Bills this season for the um, for the uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, they they were uh, I think the, the highest percentage chance to win. Threw fifty bucks down on them. Pays a little over three hundred. So hey. um, why not take a take a quick look at the uh, Buffalo Bills? They kick off their season actually tonight. So um, could be the year. Could be the year one and oh would be a nice, uh, nice look at my little uh futures on them. So, um, with that, gentlemen, we did have a uh, fan question, and and I always like to throw a little something out on Twitter when we record. And obviously, as you guys know, I was at the hospital seeing my daughter this afternoon. So, Alex, thank you very much for throwing that up there. Of course, of course, you, you did ask the question, I believe, who is uh, who's gonna be the um. Here, I'm just pulling it up. Sorry, guys. I uh, I just said ask any questions. And here's yes, if you want, yes. do, do you want me to read it out? Yes, I would love yeah. for you to read All it right. out. I, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, hold on. Give me one sec now because now I have to pull it up and find the <laughs> name of the person. Do you want me to read it? I got it up. <laughs> okay. Wait. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, we're prepared, guys. We're prepared. I got it. <laughs> yeah, we're so prepared. <laughs> All right. This comes from uh, Twitter user at Happy Camp First. That's a clever name. I like that name. 
Um, Happy Campfers asks, who is going to break out this year and why is it Bobby McMahon? And wouldn't that be something, eh? Wouldn't that be something yeah. if the breakout player this year was Bobby McMahon? So, Alex, before you jumped on with us, um, I was saying to Peter, I'm pretty sure at the end of last season, we had this conversation about Bobby McMahon signing with the uh, the Marlies. And one article had him as Bobby McCann and another article had him as Bobby McMahon. So we were we were kind of uh, trying to scrounge up what, what his name what was. The, what the name was. But it yeah. is, in fact, Bobby McMahon. Um, and, uh, take it away, Alex. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on a breakout player? And is it Bobby McMahon? Uh, well, I mean, Bobby McMahon as a breakout player would be th- quite the story. I know I just finished talking about how the only story around the Leafs this year is a goaltending situation, but if fucking Bobby McMahon decided to <laughs> find his way into the Leafs lineup and put up 50 points or something, I think that'd be quite the story. Um, I, Bobby McMahon did kind of come out of nowhere last year. He was about a half a point per game player, I think in the AHL last year. So um, I think there's certainly potential for him to step into a, a bigger role with the Marlies this year. And so to answer your question, happy camp, happy camper, I can probably see Bobby McMahon being a breakout player in the AHL. I'm not quite sure about the NHL yet. Um, having said that, if he does take a big step forward this year, I think, I think he could be a guy that, you know, is in the conversation for guys to make the, make the lineup in 2023, 24, or maybe even down, down the stretch of the season, depending on how well he's doing, you know, Alex Steve's got his shot last year. So, um, who says that Bobby Mc, Bobby McMahon can't? I'm gonna have a hard time saying that over and over. Who, <laughs> who says that Bobby McMahon can't be that guy this year? Um, otherwise, if we're talking about a breakout player, I, you know, I, I could go back to Pierre Engvall because I think as a whole, he's a guy that's gonna get the best opportunities. But if we're talking about guys from the Marlies, why not? Why not uh, Nick? Why not go back to Nick Robertson? I think that you know he's finally. In, you know what? We we talk about how Nick Robertson is like been chomping at the bit for so long, but I, it's easy to forget the guy's only like 21 years old. Right. And I, truth be told, this isn't a popular opinion, but I'd be more than happy if he wanted to develop in the AHL for another season or two, um, mm-hmm. as long as there's actually more developing to be done, because I think he's a guy that you can bring up and expect to slide into a role. Um, and eventually in their top six, he's got a really sneaky shot. So I, I'll say Nick Robertson for the purpose of this one. Before I ask you, Peter, can we all agree that if if there's a breakout player at the NHL level, it's going to be Pierre Engvall? Yeah, yeah, so I like, think so. Let's let let's let's just agree on yeah. that. I think I think mm-hmm. there's a trifecta of of yeses. It's going to be Pierre Engvall. Yeah. Um, if that if he gets that top six role, then yeah, he's poised for a big year. But we got to see that. Yeah. So, Peter, Bobby McMahon, or is there another guy that you're looking at? I. It's a good thing that he, uh, Happy Campers brought him up because I absolutely loved Bobby McMahon last year uh, for all the same reasons that Alex mentioned, but he brings everything that the Maple Leafs lacked. They lacked that, you know, the energy, the physicality, and to have that in your bottom six, that is going to go well for them because he has that upside. He had, well, obviously not a whole lot of upside, but good, decent depth scoring possibly really wicked wrist shots. I mean, the way that he was able to uh, break the Marley's rookie goal record last season was absolutely phenomenal. And I mentioned him as a four Marley, one of four Marley's who could push for a roster spot. And mainly because of the speed, his size, the ability to establish that four check and, you know, fend off attacking players or defending players. It, 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 it's something that 
bodes well for their mentality and their play style because they need players with that work ethic, that mentality, that drive. And he has gotten better every single chance when he's been given that opportunity. And I think he would thrive if he did make the Maple Leafs. Um, Obviously, am I expecting a Michael, Michael Bunting breakout with McMahon? No, but I would like to see maybe, you know, decent 10, 15, maybe 20 points if, again, 20 is being very generous, but if he does have that, that 10 to 15 to start, I think it could go really well because this is, he's, he's, he not necessarily plays a chip with, with a chip on his shoulder, but he's had a long journey. And for him to get to this point and for him to earn that contract with the Maple Leafs, I think he can do it. If we're going strictly Marley's or breakout season as well i'm going to go to another marley player that could bounce back or break out and that's going to be pontus holmberg um obviously he's another player that can possibly battle for a spot but given how he was under a point per game last season 41 and 46 in the shl was a year removed from being the playoff mvp and looked great um, at the Olympics, he looked great in his little Marley stint with four points in six games. I expect him to take a big step this season. Um, obviously, maybe not, doesn't have the goal-scoring abilities, but he's such a fantastic playmaker, and he's got great smarts. So I think that if there's someone to break out with the Marlies that isn't Bobby McMahon or break out with the Maple Leafs that isn't Bobby McMahon, it's going to be Pontus Holmberg for the Toronto Marlies. So I'm gonna I'm gonna toot some guy's horn that I've been I've been tooting for a while uh, since I did play by play for his minor midget uh, uh, team here in London with Rogers, um, Brett Budgel, and he just signed a contract with the Marlies uh, this season. He was there on a on a amateur tryout uh, last season, um, coming over from the uh, from the. Uh, from the Charlottetown Islanders where he was actually the captain over the last, the last two seasons, he wore letter his four years that he was there, but this is a kid that, and, and I've loved his game since the get-go. I think he's a blue collar type player. He plays very much like a Jonathan Taves um, can play uh, all, all situations um, has that scoring ability, has that offensive prowess, sees the game on, on, on another level. Um, and, and honestly, just, from my experiences with him, just a genuinely good kid. I think he's going to be great for that, that room. Um, and I don't think he's going to make the NHL this season, but I think he's a guy that you definitely need to watch over the next couple of years. As we talk about the, uh, the Marlies in the AHL, um, you know, 67 games last season, he put up 79 points and 40 goals um, at another 20 points in the uh, 15 playoff games that they had. Um, but this this kid's going to be good, and, and and I will eat my words if I'm wrong, but I, I can almost guarantee you that this kid's going to be something for the Marlies. I think it's a great signing. I even shot him a quick text after uh, after uh, he signed and just congratulate him. Um, genuinely good kid. Um, definitely watch Brett Budgel because I think he's going to be an exciting name to to maybe keep an eye on as as he uh, develops in in the HL with the Marlies. So that's my uh, that's my breakout player uh for this this upcoming season um before we close it out gentlemen i uh, just want to do a quick little fun quick fire here at the end of the episode um so we'll each give our answers four little quick questions um and just 
yeah, see what see see how we if we agree or or where we're at once the season's all said and done. So with that, uh, Mitch Marner over under a hundred points, Alex. Over, I, I think you know he's he's still young. He's only twenty five years old, and um, you know when a guy is on a hundred point pace and gets hurt, I think you can expect him to put up a hundred hundred points the next season. So I think he I think over, Peter. Yeah, I'll take the over. I think I think he'll maybe hit a hundred, but there's no option to just right on the money. So I'm just gonna I'll, I'll go over and maybe say that maybe just get a hundred and two hundred and three. Yeah, I'm gonna go over and say he's gonna be pushing for 110 this season. I think he was he was right there last year. He had a couple of couple of small little blips in terms of his his uh, consistency with production uh, last season. That would have changed uh, his overall outcome, but uh, I could definitely see him pushing for 110 points this year. Um, Austin Matthews over under 65 goals. Peter, over. That's it. Over, over. over. Alex, what are your thoughts on it? Over. Why not? I, I, to, to elaborate a little bit on my on my my answer, I would like to see him hit 70. I hope he does. I don't think it's going to happen, but he'll get in between 65, 70. Yeah, I, I threw a little tweet out there. 67 and a half is the over under. Um, I'm going to go 67, eh? 67. You had to go 67. I was, was going to go 69, but I didn't think it was appropriate for for my Twitter page. So, you know, I'm really I'm really <laughs> I'm really tame over on Twitter. Um, I'm going to say over 65 as well. Uh, Matt Murray over under 20 wins, Alex over under 20 wins. I will say, I'll say over Peter. What do you got with a better team in front of him defensively? I'm going to say over. So I know I've been too, like I've been all over the Matt Murray train. I'm going to say under, because I think Ilya Samson is going to take on the starting role. Um, I think, uh, Murray finishes at 18 or 19 wins. He's going to have a winning record, but I think Samsono is going to be the, the go-to for the Leafs this year. Um, Matthews rocket winner for the third straight year. Peter, what do you got? Um, seeing as there's no over-under, I'm going to take him as a rocket winner. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Alex, we are, we are fully on the bias train right now. Eh? Yeah, we, we totally are. hundred percent. Are I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs going to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Let's Why be realistic. Like, come on. Like, are, are, are we is, really like, going to doubt okay. Austin Matthews after being down? Like how many goals by November to claw his way back and get, six, I was, I was like, just going to say that Peter, like, like, honestly, like we sound so on. biased right now, but at the same time, we're asking questions like, is Mitch Marner going to score an extra six points this year, presume uh, like assuming he doesn't miss 10 games due to injury and your line doesn't, doesn't have a miss eight. And is Austin Matthews going to score five extra goals compared to what he'd like? These are all very realistic possibilities. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I love how we're just getting away the defending out of getting the defending out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're obviously everyone's going to be like, oh, Maple Leaf we're Leaf fans. We, out, we, yeah. we come in with our backs the, up. <laughs> I think the only one, I think the only one that you can really say, okay, there's these guys are definitely just being biased for is the Matt Murray one. But again, yeah. 20 bars is not 20 bars. 20 wins is not that high of a bar. And, you know, with the internal competition, I think it's certainly possible. And anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, what was the original question? I, I went off on a tangent. Matthews Rocket, Rocket Richard winner. Well, I mean, yeah, if he scores between 65 and 70 goals. I don't know who's topping that pace. Ovechkin, I think you can make the art. You can definitely make the argument for the greatest goal scorer of all time. That's in the league right now, but another year older, is he going to score 65 to 70 goals? I don't know about that. So nah, 
I, th- yeah. I think he's still good for 50. I don't I think would, he's... I would argue that Matthews right now is not, I wouldn't say the best score of all time yet. I would say he's the best goal scorer in the game right now. Um, and I, 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 and it's not a bias. It's, I really don't think there's any, any doubting what he's done over the last couple of years. And, and like, look at last season where he missed eight games and still came out, you know, with, with the production he did, uh, started the year off with a wrist injury or recovering from wrist surgery came out with the year that he did. So, um, yeah, let's go for three in a row. Let's go for three in a row, Austin. Um, but yeah, so just uh, we'll we'll check in on that as the season continues. Um, but uh, gentlemen, before we before we close it out, uh, we kind of teased at this last week. Um, there's a big announcement coming for us ne- uh, tomorrow, actually. Um, and and Alex, we will be sure to include you yes, uh, on you. the announcement. Mm-hmm. We you are you are part of this family. You're part of this team. Um, but won't be uh, able to be there for the announcement. Unfortunately. Won't be able to be there for the announcement. That's You'll be okay. there in spirit. You'll be there yes. in spirit. You'll be there live once we get going at the bottom line in Toronto, uh, in the locker room studio. Um, that's right. Sticks in the six. We'll be heading to Toronto uh, quite a bit this season. Um, so if you want to join us for a drink, if you want to join us uh, in studio, just uh, you know, poke your head in and say hello. Uh, you'll see these lovely three mugs right here. Um, and we, uh, we always love talking hockey and talking with, uh, with our listeners. So bottom line, the announcement will be tomorrow. Check us out, come see us live. And, uh, boys, this is just the beginning. This is step number one of the sticks in the six live experience. We start, oh, with beer. Yeah. we start with beers at bottom line. Next thing you know, Peter's going to be taking us into the hockey hall of fame. We're going to be doing live, live shooting the, the, the virtual <laughs> yeah. shootout or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Can you guys beat the sticks and the six guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. Man. Well, not not our not our ball hockey champion down here. So. Oh, buddy, I'm not a champion yet. We've only we've we've kept hey, we've come second place. We haven't won yet. Premonitions, my yeah, friend. We, premonitions. We got, we got ambitions. We got ambitions. Anyways, gentlemen, uh, great episode again. Um, big season ahead of us. Um, but episode 93. Any any of you tuning out in out there? Thank you as always for listening. Shout out to Hong Kong. We were in the top 100 hockey podcasts in Hong Kong. Thank you. Thank you. Um, otherwise, follow Peter on, on Twitter at P. Barrichini. You can follow Alex at A. Hobson Media. Follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes or follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E 6 I X P O D. You can download our show anywhere on the internet that has um, podcasts, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Um, iHeartRadio, we're on there as well. So be sure to check us out, download our latest episodes. Please subscribe. Please, uh, you know, hit us up on on uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, any of it. We're going to be doing live streaming from the bottom line moving ahead this season. Uh, aside from that, gentlemen, here's to another week. We'll see you again for episode 94 next week. <laughs>